1: Stand firm and hold fast to the traditions that you were taught by us, either by word of mouth or by our letter, St. Paul's second letter to the Thessalonians, chapter 2, verse 15. This is what we're called to do, isn't it? To stand firm and not let our minds be wooed into switching paths to suit our lives. Not to let new ideas and teachings lure us to a more comfortable place. Standing firm means not listening to preachers, neighbours or Bible study leaders, for example, when they try to dilute the word to fit their lives or the current culture. Or worse, to increase their following, boost their ego or convince you to join them in their new improved view of God and his teachings. Accepting as the norm actions the Bible calls sin, just because everyone else is doing it, doesn't make it right. Just because the head of our church is radically liberal doesn't mean we have to be. I encourage you to read the word yourself, study it daily and examine your life truthfully in regard to what Jesus says. Standing firm doesn't give me carte blanche to judge everyone who isn't in line with my understandings and convictions. It means I can listen and decide whether or not I want to incorporate new teachings or interpretations into my solid understanding. Will it help me draw closer to God or will it take me away? Can ideas from Eastern meditation help me with my Christian contemplative prayer? Do some of the Buddhist thoughts I come across help with the way I view life through Christian eyes? As long as I stand firm and keep the word on my lips, then I won't turn my back on the love God has of me. Good afternoon and good evening. Welcome to The Sociable Homeschooler. I'm your host, Vivian McNenny. And I'm going to be talking about my life as a homeschooler with my blue-eyed cowboy and our four children. Of course, the children are all grown up now, but once a homeschooler, always a homeschooler, and I still have plenty of up-to-date tales about the family that derive directly from their exposure during their formative years to our unconventional lifestyle. Today I am enjoying the wide open spaces of East Texas where God dwells in the ordinary as I try to accustomize myself to life stateside once again, the ease of living, the distances between places and the potential for friendships. Each week, I invite someone to join me during this hour, and we talk about the delights and insights of parenthood. Whether they're homeschoolers or not, we put the world to rights on the issues of child-rearing. Regardless of topic, I think you'll find our chats will always speak straight to the heart of parents who put their children above their highest joy. Today, my guest is Janie Scanlon from Gering, Nebraska, who's going to be bringing us a story or two about her family, adding to my theme of busting the stereotype. So stay right where you are to enjoy our conversation. I'll be talking about the film set where we shivered, obedience, moving our dorts in with her brother, and shifting furniture. I'm drinking a hot cup of tea with a chocolate chip cookie, a change from a biscuit, and quite a different taste, but still deliciously dunkable. I Wish You Were Here is scribbled across my pad, but at least you can hear my accent and pretend you're in some lovely manor house across the pond for an hour. Let's get started, shall we? Dort's arrival last week was a little late, but then she did have four airports to negotiate and plenty of room for delays. Luckily, my oldest was tracking her plane and said it appeared to have left Madrid on time, but it wasn't scheduled to arrive in America until 3.15 in the afternoon instead of 2.15. That would only give Daltz 30 minutes to go through passport control and clear customs before her connecting flight to Dallas was scheduled to take off. So, all action on the ground for her blue-eyed pups. He called American and discovered they had already rebooked her on a later flight. So we were able to send her an email for her to pick up on her arrival in America. The flight attendants had already told her, so she knew she had plenty of time and the potential panic was abated before she even got off the plane. She called us during her two-hour layover, comfortably ensconced at a TGI Friday's eating some nachos. We went off to get her a couple of hours later. She hugged me so hard she cried. Well, after travelling for 21 hours she was just an exhausted emotional wreck. We had champagne waiting at the hotel and take-out Mexicans, so we spent a happy hour or two winding down before bed. It was lovely to see her, and I did admire the Italian boots she'd bought in Naples instead of taking the excursion to Pompeii. She wore them (laughs) all that way. We spent the next day catching up, watching some videos of her shows on board her ship, which were impressive, but then I am a wow fan of hers. We had her car inspected and went to get her hair cut. Our hairdresser must be quite chuffed that the first stop for all of us was her house for a good trim and highlight. We ate Mexican food again, this time at our favourite restaurant with a margarita. And the following day, she was still really exhausted, so we couldn't get into any serious talk about what her future held for her and she was threatening to get sick so we went shopping for our film shoot the following day which required a long dress and a tuxedo neither of which my blue-eyed cowboy and I had Dorts did have her long dress from the ship which she was happy to wear again and she came along for fun with us so um, we were lucky to be with her and we had lucky finds too i'm a great supporter of thrift shops and we found exactly what we needed at the first one we came upon and the prices were so good a tux for fourteen dollars who can beat that and a lovely formal for me for ten recycling at its very best after lunch, we packed up the hotel and took her to her new place of residence, her brother's flat, deep in the heart of Sketchville. But close to downtown where a bustling, wealthy crowd of 30-somethings, frequent the many restaurants and hotspots, and also convenient to where my filmmaker's son works. Dort was a little nervous about moving into drive-by shooting land, but we had suggested underground parking so she wouldn't have to jockey for a parking space at night when she came home from work, so that made her feel a little better. When we arrived, we unloaded several bags and three boxes into the lobby while I held the door and kept an eye on our belongings. Then we loaded everything onto the lift and carried stuff inside the flat and her bedroom. Norts, Dorts noticed, as she was kind of arranging and unpacking stuff, that the box with her Italian boots, the ones I'd admired and nicknamed Pompeii, were missing so we rushed back downstairs and found nothing the box and the boots had been whisked away right from under our noses she was heartbroken it wasn't as if she could replace them at dillard's what an unwelcome welcome to her new abode and her brother was devastated as he was so looking forward to her moving in and didn't want anything to go wrong they filed a police report put notices up and knocked on doors of course we've warned doors not to confront anyone she sees wearing her Italian leather oh it wouldn't be worth it (laughs) now they both have spaces in the underground parking lot that gets them straight into the lobby without having to open the front doors so that's a much better situation I think After a couple of days, she calmed down about the theft. It was only a pair of boots, she now says, but I know she felt violated. Of her own flat, she says she feels as though she's just spending the night on a sleepover, but she's thrilled. She has a whole big room to herself, no sharing a teeny cabin, a large bathroom, kitchen and living room, and her brother is looking after her. You should see what he made for breakfast the first morning they were both home. Yep, she texted me over a photo. It was mouth-wateringly delicious. To round out our first week home, we filmed for two long days out at South Fork. It was a very elegant affair. More than than that, I can't say. My thrift shop dress was a royal blue hit, as was my white hair. My blue-eyed cowboy's tuxedo was sparkling and posh, and together we made a stunning pair. Both days we did sunny shots and then after lunch had to wait until nightfall to get evening shots and with the darkness the temperature plummeted. It had been raining earlier in the week so my high heels kept sinking into the soft grass but it didn't do the damage dancer Dorts did to her shoes. She shredded the heels. The catering staff always do a fine job with the food. Three choices of meat, plenty of veggies and salads and always a yummy dessert. Our filmmaker son found time to visit with us, which was good, as we were able to catch up on the last six months face to face. My Texan is making props for a pilot. Our son is filming next week. So they were sketching and discussing ways to get the look just right. Our son asked us to provide a meal for his crew and actors next week. And since the filming's taking place around 7 p.m. to 7 a.m. dinner isn't served until midnight so I can tell that is going to be a very long day for us but it's all fun and it looks as though I'm close to going on my break so I'm going to introduce my guest just before I go that way we have more time to talk. I'm thrilled to welcome Janie Scanlon who is a homeschooling mother of six four girls and two boys ranging in age from 13 to 26. Janie lives in Gering, Nebraska and has just bought a coffee shop in her small town which she runs with one of her daughters. Her husband, Mark, is a child and adult psychiatrist and Janie says he leaves his job at the office. Praise the Lord. We're going to be talking about good old-fashioned homeschooling, how we responded to our children's bursts of independence, the roller coaster ride of raising teenagers, especially when we've never done it before, and the changing face of our homeschool as the years pass. We get older, wiser, and ambitious. Janie is a first-generation American whose children are growing into outstanding citizens, as you will hear. And it's time for me to go on a break. So off you go and replenish your cup of coffee. Then come back after these few short messages and join me for a chat with my guest, Janie Scanlon.
0: How do you handle toddlers, teens and tirades when homeschooling? That's what we're working on now. It's Vivian McNinney, the sociable homeschooler. And we'll be right back after these. Mark Lipinski is coming to Toginet. It's Creative Mojo with Mark Lipinski. A live two-hour show Wednesday afternoon starting at 3 to Central on Toginat.com. Creative Mojo. It's fun, entertaining, informative, inspirational, and illuminating. Lipinski has worked on such shows as Oprah, The View, The Joan River Show, and Ricky Lake. He's busy, but he's got the drive to share with Creative Mojo. Dedicated to the modern crafter and crafting lifestyle. Welcome back to The Sociable Homeschooler with Vivian McNenney, The show for any homeschooler at any point in their homeschooling career. Join us as we plow through the problems, tackle the challenges, and celebrate the successes. It's The Sociable Homeschooler on Toginek. And now back to your host, Vivian McNinney.
1: As I said before my break, my guest today is Janie Scanlon. Good afternoon, Janie, and welcome to my show.
2: Thank you, Vivian.
1: How are you today?
2: I'm doing great.
1: And where are you? Where are you? (laughs) Uh, I'm in
2: my living room in Gearing, Nebraska.
1: All right. And have you always lived in Nebraska? Is that where you were raised?
2: No, actually, um, I was born in New York and moved to Wichita, Kansas. Um, And then I got married and we were in South Carolina and California and uh, Kansas City for a while and back to nebraska and then to nebraska
1: so you moved around did your husband have a job that moved him a lot Uh,
2: he was actually in school Mm -hmm. he was he was um going to um medical school at the time Mm -hmm. and needed to go through residency programs and and things like that Uh, he's a child psychiatrist and adult psychiatrist
1: all right so um did you help support him through his college is that what you were doing
2: um sort of yeah we uh we uh had a i was a apartment manager Mm -hmm. and so i would stay home with angela because i had one child at the time Mm -hmm. and i babysat and i also managed the apartments that we lived in and they didn't have an office so i did it out of my home yeah out of my apartment
1: and so when you manage an apartment do they give you an apartment
2: yes yes they did
1: oh that's wonderful
2: yeah, especially with him being in school with no yeah, income.
1: Absolutely, absolutely. All right, so you're married to a psychiatrist, a child and adult psychiatrist. What's that like? Do you feel as though you're being analyzed all the time?
2: No, believe me, he leaves
1: it at the office. Well, good. You know, men can do that. They're so good at doing that, aren't they? Yes, they are. Yeah. Any of your children going that way? Uh, no, it doesn't look like. No? No.
2: No. Right now, it doesn't look like any of them are going into medicine or psychology or psychiatry or anything. So mm-hmm.
1: so you have six children. Tell me the ages of your children.
2: Um, well, I have Angela, who is uh, 26. Mm-hmm. Um, Sarah is 22. And Teresa is 20. Christine is 18. Jo- um, Adam is 16. And Joshua is 13.
1: So your husband had to wait a long time to get boys.
2: Yes, he did. (laughs) And those are two of our Nebraska babies. Oh right, okay. All
1: right. Well, great age, great ages, thirteen to twenty-six. So you're busy. You're a busy mom. All right. So what started you on the road to homeschooling? Why did you homeschool? Were you around homeschoolers? What was the motivation?
2: Um, Well, actually. My daughter, Angela, was very precocious when she was little and uh, started reading at a very early age. Um, Actually, I was nursing my baby, Sarah, and uh, she would cry and fuss, and Angela wanted me to read her a book. Mm -hmm. So I told her, I can't read you that story right now. And she said, well, you have to. I said, no, go read it yourself. Mm -hmm. So she sat next to me, opened the book, and started reading, and she was only four. Oh, wow. And I thought, this girl knows how to read. Why have I been reading to her this whole time? So I started, um, you know, she started reading at that age. And I, she was in a homeschool, head, I mean, a Head Start program. Mm-hmm. And the lady would bring materials to our home. And so every time she'd bring the materials to our home, I would do the lessons with Angela all week long. And then she'd come back the next week and check. And she said to me, you know, you're one of the only parents that actually does the things I leave. Mm -hmm. (laughs) So I thought, well, that's nice. Okay. And then I happened to meet a homeschool family at that time, went over to their house for coffee, and I saw how their kids interacted with Angela, who was only four, Mm -hmm. so well. Mm -hmm. You know, and they were in their teens and younger kids. She had like four different kids. And I thought, oh, my goodness, look at all of them are normal. Mm -hmm. They can interact with anybody at any age. Mm And they were homeschooled. And I thought, boy, that's the kind of children that I would like to have. So that started me on the road to homeschooling. Mm-hmm.
1: So did you ever send Angela to school?
2: Um, no, I didn't. Angela was completely homeschooled. Um, she used a lot of different programs. But in high school, she finished in three years, her high school. Mm-hmm. And then she did go up to our community college for mm-hmm. a year.
1: Mm-hmm. And then did she go on to a four-year school?
2: Um, She actually didn't. She went to um, uh, Colorado, which isn't too far from our home, about three hours away, uh, went to a massage therapy school there. Oh,
1: right. Okay. Okay. Mm -hmm. Um, My children, all all my children went to the community college round because our community college was really, really homeschool friendly. Well, we Mm -hmm. live in Texas. That's the Bible Belt. I mean... loads of people homeschool so it's not an unusual thing here it's a very you know colleges are used to it and it was great because they could still live at home Um, they could still have we did the dual credits to start with so there was Mm -hmm. still some input from me because we did classes and then at the end they got their full college credit and their full high school credit and they'd already done two years and so went off to do their four-year school just in two years they finished it off and it worked out really really well for us but the two girls didn't go to the four-year They didn't go the four-year route. The two boys did. So that Mm -hmm. that was good. So um, so Angela and Sarah, Sarah's 22. Did she, what did she do?
2: Um, She homeschooled most of the time. Uh, Her junior year, she went to a high school. She went part-time to Gearing High School, the town that I live in. And then right across the river, five minutes, is another high school. Uh, Scottsbluff High School so she finished at Scottsbluff High School because we really liked the choir director he was a a great Christian man and um, we really wanted to be in they really wanted to be in his musicals so they went there last year and they got in the musical and had a great time
1: well so you you were you nervous about sending her to public school? And was she was she all right going to public school? She wanted to do that, obviously, and you you just allowed her to do that. So yes, yeah,
2: she wanted to do that, and she was basically on her fifth year of high school. Mm-hmm. Sarah took five years to finish high school, and Teresa took three years. Mm-hmm. So they were both in the same grade. All right, okay. So they both went together to high school.
1: Oh, okay. That senior year. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, did they do everything? Did they go to the the dances and the whatever the homecoming and?
2: Um, and they fun? really didn't. They really didn't care to go. I mean, they went with some of their friends to a couple of dances, but mm-hmm. yeah, they weren't really into all that stuff.
1: Mm-hmm. And Teresa will talk about later. Christy is eighteen. Yeah, and, Christine. You mm-hmm. um, Christine, and you just has she graduated from homeschool and.
2: Yes, she graduated from homeschool. She did go to a public high school for three years or two and a half years, mm-hmm. and ended up uh, this last uh, senior year um, doing it online homeschool for her mm-hmm. senior year mm-hmm. because the public high school just it was good for her. She enjoyed it, but she wasn't learning very much. Right. It was all social for her. Yeah,
1: yeah.
2: <laughs> so we decided to homeschool her her final year, mm-hmm. and now she's up in Hillsdale College in Michigan.
1: Oh, OK. So she's yes. she's decided that she will go the college route. So yes. you gave your children. It sounds as though you gave your children the tools to go to college. And then if they wanted to go, they, they were able to. And if they didn't want to go, if they wanted to go do something else, then they were also able to do that yes yes, that's, yes i think that's important a lot of our a lot of my listeners are new homeschoolers and they think oh how do i get my child into college what do i have to do do i have to put them into school high school for the last four years so they get a better chance at going to college so what what would you say to that i mean your children were all equipped to go to college so you know, what would you say to a parent that says, oh, how am I going to do that? You know, and they get worried and they start to fret when their child, child hits a teenage year.
2: Well, I would say to them that actually what the kids will learn in a public high school is hardly anything because most of the time they're socializing. Mm. They're hanging out. They're getting distracted from learning. Mm. Um most of what they need to learn You can teach them at home To be ready mm-hmm. for for college mm-hmm. um, If they do take community cl- uh, college classes That's probably better way to go uh, My son who's 16 Is now taking a math class Up at our community college mm-hmm. um, But I, I really don't feel that Them going to high school Makes it any better Actually it was harder for my daughter That went the longest to a public high school mm-hmm. Than my other ones they are doing much better in college and are enjoying it so much uh, because they were ready. They only went to high, they only went to the last year of high school for fun. Mm-hmm. I felt like they were completely equipped before they got there. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, mm-hmm.
0: yeah, I
1: know. And you know, a lot of um, homeschoolers who are really devout Christians say don't send your child to a secular campus and that would mean high school as well as college because you know they're, they're just they're, they're going to be sidetracked their, their Christian values are going to be questioned and unless they can answer unless they're really strong then, then that's, you know, you're just setting them up to fail or fail in a, in a particular way, I suppose. How do, how do you feel about that? Have, have your two who are going to Christian schools, I mean, they, they go to Christian colleges, but what if they decided that they, you know, there's a really great college over here like Harvard that isn't a Christian campus? What, what would you say? What would you do?
2: Um, well, actually, Teresa is looking at going into Harvard after she graduates from Patrick Henry College. Mm-hmm. So, uh, you know, that's, I think that that's an option for for people. Um, I think every child is different. And so if they're a weak Christian, and and each of us have our own uh, failings, and so if they can't be around that and feel strong, if they need a lot of support around them, then send them to a Christian college. I think Christian colleges are great. But if they're very strong and they have a lot of, fight in them, and they can find those people that will encourage them in in a secular college, I don't think it's a problem. Mm -hmm. But it's it's difficult to know with each child. Uh, Personally, I like Christian colleges in that the floors in the dormitories are not co-ed mm-hmm. <laughs> and so that makes a huge difference you know drinking and partying is not a really big issue mm-hmm. um, I mean of course there is the, they have it there I mean they have it everywhere mm-hmm. um, so y- there's a lot of things if they don't want to deal with that stuff and they don't and they want to just learn then a Christian college is the way to go um, Hillsdale where my daughter Christine is is not so much a christian college as it is a conservative college Mm. Mm -hmm. um so she has all kinds of people there um but it's not christian college
1: Mm. and you know i think i think a lot of people who homeschool think that their children are You know, immune to the world because of the way they've been raised, and so when their children do start to branch out and become the independent beings that that we have grown them to be, they they get shocked when you know a child. You know, you, you can get you can have six children and raise them all in the under the same roof in the same environment, and each one of them will interpret their, their their upbringing in a different way and go and express themselves in a different way. And I think a lot of homeschoolers whose children aren't quite towing what they consider to be the line, freak out and, and withdraw and say, no, you know, they're in denial. And they say, no, that doesn't happen to me. Because I think the world looks at homeschoolers and goes, those children are going to be a certain type of child. And if there's something goes wrong then it has to be because they were homeschooled you know and so i know you've got six children and each one of them is going a different way how how do you mm. react when they come to you because i you know when we're not immune to the the drinking as you said or the uh, yes. you know the, the the lots of boyfriends maybe not the best suited as far as we're concerned, <laughs> or whatever. Yeah, and you've we've got had the our goals. share. Yes, I'm sure. So how how did you react to that without being judgmental and still allowing your children the freedom?
2: Well, I would say daughter I was pretty and I really had a hard time with her had a hard time with her colouring her hair. Mm. That was like shocking to me. And now my other daughter's doing it, it's not a big deal. And doing it's my own hair. Yeah. See I had my own hair. So when she, or her hair, and it wasn't even gray, I, oh my goodness, what is she trying to do? Mm-hmm. My oldest daughter also has a tattoo. Mm-hmm. And uh, that just totally shocked me. Mm-hmm. I don't have one. Um, so a little different than ourselves, I think we do get a little bit out or we don't want to deal with it. Um, but I come, it's not that big of a deal in the scheme of things. Mm-hmm types Of things are not that big of a deal. I don't want to ruin my relationship with
1: my daughter over. No, that's right. You
2: no, know, they need to be able to express themselves. Mm-hmm. And I've always taught my kids that each person is individual. I never wanted my girls to be the same. I don't want them to be the same as me, and I don't want them to be the same as each other. Mm-hmm. Um, they each have individual strengths. So I would say that I wasn't the best when it came to them coming home with. Mm-hmm. The idea that they're having boyfriends, and uh, when we wanted to court and they wanted to do the boyfriend thing, um, my first daughter actually brought court or how home. The, I had no idea what it was, and um, then that that's not what she wanted to do. So it was just a A very difficult time. Having teenagers is just hard, especially when you haven't had them before.
1: Exactly, (laughs) exactly. Well, Janie, we have to go on a short break, and we'll be back in just a moment.
0: Okay, thank you. How do you handle toddlers, teens, and tirades when homeschooling? That's what we're working on now. It's Vivian McNinney, the sociable homeschooler, and we'll be right back after these. For more information on Blythe and how she can help you, go to babyinstructions.com. From 32 ways to stop a baby from crying to 14 ways to get a baby to eat and so much more, it's Baby and Toddler Instructions with Blythe Lipman on toginet.com. Welcome back to The Sociable Homeschooler with Vivian McNinney, the show for any homeschooler at any point in their homeschooling career. Join us as we plow through the problems, tackle the challenges, and celebrate the successes. It's The Sociable Homeschooler on Toginac. And now, back to your host, Vivian McNenny.
1: Janie, it was funny. You were talking about your daughter coloring her hair. And, and in my family, if anybody did anything like that, like back to their hair that was fine with me as long as they didn't tattoo their bodies so you know that really didn't shock me so much but I do understand I do understand what you're saying and you had one two three four girls four girls you know and yes you're right the first one it's difficult having teenagers especially when you've never had one before so (laughs) poor old Angela and my poor son but mine was a boy and he, he he was an easy he was an easy teenager
2: Oh, that's nice.
1: Yeah, yeah. And, uh, you know, the girls hit and just couldn't wait. They were chomping at the bit to be 18. So, uh, yes. but we didn't let them drive. Did you Did you let yours drive at 16?
2: I, I did. Mm-hmm. I did because I needed them to. Yeah. Uh, because I, they had all these activities and um, my little, you know, I was home with the babies and the toddlers. And so I did let them drive pretty, you know, right as, and they turned to 16. Mm.
1: Yeah, we kept them from driving until they were 18 because in England, 18 is the uh, driving law. So oh. I brought that in, and you know, my youngest, she was watching to see whether or not I would, you know, sort of because she was eight, because she was the cutest and she was the last, and everyone had left <laughs> home. Would I relax? But oh no, I was being watched by every other child that had had to wait till they were 18, and there was oh. no way that I could relax it because they would be on me. <laughs> so no they all had to wait which was which was good because once once the older ones were driving then they could drive the other ones around so that was all right you know once once I got the ball rolling but it was up until
2: yes and they did
1: say to me well will you still take me everywhere I want to go and I said yeah sure no problem so I (laughs) you know I made it harder on myself but they they were they were all right and
2: we were yes it is hard on yourself my son I'm holding off on him a little bit Mm -hmm. he's already 16 and he's not driving because we we waited. He wasn't done with his homeschooling oh. this summer, mm-hmm. and so we waited. I told him until you're done, you're not going to take your driver's ed test. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So now he won't be able to drive till later this spring. All right.
1: Okay. Well, and you know, and some of them are good drivers, and some of them aren't. Have you found that?
2: Uh, oh yes. <laughs> yeah. Yes. That's so I true. Mean,
1: we have. Nat- I have two naturals. They are really, really good, and I have two that. Oh, Oh, gosh. And I taught them myself, too. Did you teach yours yourself?
2: Um, I did. My my second daughter, Sarah, um, she said she wanted to get in the car and drive after we got her uh, permit. And I said, well, not home from the courthouse. I don't want you to drive home from the courthouse because you don't even know how to drive. So we got home. We went up the driveway. We were trying to go up the driveway. And I said, okay, step on the gas. And so she steps on the gas, and she's looking at her feet. Hmm. And so she almost hits a tree. and I'm screaming, "Step on the, break, step on the brake, brake!" <laughs> mm. So she started driving. Uh, made me crazy. I about lost my mind there. Yeah. And so I said to my husband, "You've got to teach her to drive. I cannot handle this." So there's some 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 kids. I'm like, God, oh, no! I'd rather not be in the car with you. <laughs> yeah,
1: that's right. That's right. Right. So um, we're talking about homeschooling and our different children and um Janie sent some of her well and uh, some of her girls went to high school the local high school as well as going to the community college and so there's a lot of different um activities and flexibility within your family um I want you to tell us a little bit about Teresa and what happened in um, her life, and of course, it affected your life because she was very young. So go ahead and talk a little bit about Teresa.
2: Well, um, Teresa actually—it had actually pageants start with Sarah. Oh, uh, really? Okay. Yes, um, Angela was never interested in anything like that. So, but Sarah um, saw a local girl in the newspaper, and. And she was uh, Miss Nebraska. Mm-hmm. So she started cutting out articles that had this local girl in it and had a notebook and everything all about her because she had read um, um, Heather Whitestone's story mm-hmm. as a biography. Mm-hmm. And Heather Whitestone was a deaf Miss America. Okay. Um So she had read that story. She started making this notebook. And then she decided at 13 that she would do a pageant because she wanted the $200 for a shopping spree. Okay. So um, she did it and she won her teen pageant, a local teen pageant at 13. Mm -hmm. So two years later, uh, Teresa wanted to do it. So Teresa said, well, I want to have a shopping spree too. So she went ahead and did it, and she won that pageant. And that's kind of how it started. It started just as a, oh, I think I'll just go try it. I need some money to go buy some clothes. And they gave us a mall certificate for $200. So they wanted to do that. So it was pretty benign.
1: So how, tur- hang on, how old were they when they were doing this?
2: Um, they had just turned 13. Okay,
1: so we're not talking six
2: Oh no, no!
1: <laughs> you, you you see all of that, you know these mums, the pageant mums behind the scenes. Were you one of those?
2: No, we didn't. Well, actually, we'd never even been to a pageant. All right, so we didn't know what we were doing. Mm-hmm. But Sarah just started cutting out these articles and putting it in a notebook, and mm-hmm. and that started the whole ball rolling. And mm-hmm. she said she wanted to try that because she needed the money yeah. close. yeah, good. <laughs> yeah. good. So anyway, so that's how it started. And, um, you know, I told them I'm not going to put more money into a pageant. So their first dresses, I bought it on sale at our local um, store. And uh, they were like $15 for their gowns, Mm -hmm. you know. So that's, you know, I told them, okay, I could do that. And uh, so it was pretty easy. We we had a really good time with it. And that's how it started off.
1: And so did you, were you really involved did you go and watch and take the family with you and it was a family thing or
2: well actually the first pageant that sarah was in uh my husband stayed home to babysit the boys he didn't even go um we just went and we had no idea she would win it was her first pageant she'd never done anything like this before we had never been so we he didn't go and um, she ended up winning the talent award and the overall pageant and all kinds of stuff. So we came home screaming and yelling and shouting and mm-hmm. and woke him up and he got to see it and he said, "Okay, I'm never going to miss another pageant." Okay. <laughs> and so he did go to Teresa's.
1: Okay. And so
2: that was our probably our second pageant that we had never gone to.
1: All right. And so that was when Teresa was 13, but then it she gets was more serious.
2: Well, then after that, actually. Um the next pageant she went to was probably a year later or so. Yeah, it was a year later. Um she tried another pageant. She went to the Outstanding Teen pageant one year. Um and that was in well, I sure can't remember it's Lincoln or Omaha or one of those. But I couldn't go because my son had um herpes in his esophagus. And it was very serious. He he was sitting on in the living room, and he just didn't look good. Mm-hmm. And I could tell that something was wrong. He could then, as the day progressed, he wasn't drinking and he wasn't eating, and he wouldn't swallow. And I thought something is wrong with this kid. Mm-hmm. And I ended up, you know, we went to the hospital, the doctor, and the doctor put him in the hospital for two days and. In the hospital he wasn't eating He wouldn't drink They had to do IV Then they flew him to Denver And I had to stay there So during her first Outstanding Teen pageant um, I wasn't even there So it was a very difficult time for her uh, That time Mm -hmm. So we She did not win, no And um, Outstanding Teen She never won an Outstanding Teen pageant So the next pageant that she actually uh, did again was the Miss Pageant. When she was in the Misses, she was 16 at the time. So from 13 to 16, there wasn't too much going on. Mm-hmm. Um, when she turned 16, she qualified for being in the Miss Pageant in our local. Mm-hmm. And that's the one that she did. And then she won that one. Mm-hmm. Um, and then after that, I guess, she went to the thing was is there, they changed the pageant rules just about then. And our local pageant became a preliminary pageant for Miss Nebraska. Mm -hmm. And Teresa had won the pageant before she was 17. So she had to win another one. So that didn't qualify her. She couldn't go because she wasn't old enough to go to Miss Nebraska. So she had to qualify for another one when she was 17. So we drove... I had just had a hysterectomy. (laughs) And we drove to this pageant in February uh, in Crete, Nebraska, this little town of Crete, Nebraska. And she did that pageant. She won that pageant. It was like, I think it was a week after her birthday where she qualified to go to Miss Nebraska. So we were really thrilled that she was actually going to Miss Nebraska and she qualified for the pageant. So that's where, that's when uh, things started getting pretty excited, knowing that she would be in the Miss Nebraska pageant. Mm -hmm. But we actually didn't think she was going to win that one. Again, because we had only been to a few pageants, a handful, and um, we weren't real pageanty. And so we really didn't think she would win that one. And so we were just going to go there for practice, you know, kind of just take a look, see what it's about. Maybe if she won something, she could have some scholarship to bring to school. Um, And then when she went to school in Virginia, then she could do the pageants there Mm -hmm. uh, for scholarship money. Because Miss America gives millions of dollars to women, the largest contributor for um, scholarships for women. And so... We really wanted the scholarship money because, you know, having all these kids in college at the same time is rather difficult. And um, so here she was. We're going to Miss Nebraska. We we went. She did a great, you know, we were having a great time. People were coming up to us and saying, oh, that Teresa Scanlon's really good. You know, she's really great. Is that your daughter? I'm like, yeah, yeah, she is. And they have like preliminary nights where they do an interview, talent evening gown and then they redo it all on the final night the top girls will redo it all so here's Teresa doing this thing and actually when she won Miss Nebraska my husband's face turned completely white and I thought he was going (laughs) to faint we were all so excited because the, the shocking thing about being Miss Nebraska is now you know this child is going to be on t v on the Miss America stage, mm-hmm. and to us that was just totally incredible mm. uh We didn't think it was going to happen this early, you know at seventeen we we really felt like she was going to have more time, you know, and that she winning a you know, little bit of money here and there for her scholarships. Um, but now that she was going to Miss Nebraska, right off the bat, every girl that goes to Miss Miss America um, wins a scholarship, a three thousand dollars scholarship just for being there. Ah. So uh, these women will, you know, be coming home with scholarships, and and that's what we were looking for. You know, that's the that was the whole point of the pageant to us.
1: Mm-hmm. Well, that's that's wonderful, and you know, you read all of this marvelous stuff that the the pageants do, but it 's the behind the scenes but and did she what did her, what were the other girls like did she did she like them? Was it a mixed bag? What was it like for her being around all of those people
2: um, when she went to miss America, she absolutely loved the girls they all were so friendly, they were all very talented, very um, intelligent women. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of them had been, or you know, were twenty four, twenty three, mm-hmm. um, and Teresa was only seventeen. So she felt as though she had a lot to learn from them. She was just really excited to be there. Um, she never had problems with any of the girls. They were all so supportive mm-hmm. and um, like a sister. Mm-hmm. They actually called themselves a class. Mm-hmm. So she's part of the class of two thousand eleven. Gosh. Yeah.
1: And, but she so, had, yeah. Well, to carry well on with your story.
2: Well, I was the girls kind of consider her like the class president, you know. Mm-hmm. And there's the class because it be on that stage for every single one that wins a state a competition. It is an honor to be on that Miss America stage, whether or not you are Miss America. Mm. So,
1: and then of course Teresa went on and won,
2: and she did, and. I have to tell you a cute story. My son, uh, Joshua, who was 10 at the time, 9, I believe, yeah, 9, was, uh, had his little tuxedo on and cufflinks and tie and everything. And when they call the top 15, the, the parents of the top 15 sit in what they call TV row because they want to get good pictures of us and our reactions so we were ushered into the TV row when she was in the top 15 and my son and my rest of my family was sitting up in the higher section and um, he's sitting there as he's waiting for everything to happen he's like, I don't want to see girls in bikinis what's going on and then he says they clapped for Teresa after she did her talent and he says, well they like her, and she turns to my oldest daughter and says, "Why don't we just go home? They should just give her the crown, and we can leave." So he called it before anybody else. Oh, <laughs> it was very cute. But he had taken off, and he was completely undressed by the time the show was over. <laughs> <laughs>
1: Yes well I suppose for a boy sitting there at, at 10 that probably wasn't the best the best way to spend that particular day whichever day it was. So yeah. where was where was Miss America held where is it held?
2: It's held in Las Vegas. Oh okay. And now finally they've gone back to New Jersey which was the original place that it was oh, okay. held
1: okay well you know Janie we've come to the end of our time this week but I know you have agreed to come back next week and talk some more about your experience with Teresa and the beauty pageants and you know just general homeschooling things so um, I've been talking to Janie Scanlon about her fascinating homeschooling family Janie thank you so much for joining me today and um, we'll be continuing our conversation next week so all you listeners out there you'll just have to come back next week and hear more with me and Janie goodbye Janie you have a wonderful weekend
2: okay I will thank you bye bye
0: how do you handle toddlers teens and tirades when homeschooling that's what we're working on now it's Vivian McNinney the sociable homeschooler and we'll be right back after these
1: Hi everybody, this is Pete Six of Beatles and Beyond. Why don't we all come together and hear some of the tracks off the latest Beatles release on this radio station. don't you look up the schedules on this radio station and join me and Beatles listeners everywhere to hear the latest releases from the Beatles on Beatles and Beyond with Pete Dix.
0: Welcome back to The Sociable Homeschooler with Vivian McNinney. The show for any homeschooler at any point in their homeschooling career. Join us as we plow through the problems, tackle the challenges, and celebrate the successes. It's The Sociable Homeschooler on Toginac. And now back to your host, Vivian McNenny.
1: I was talking to Janie Scanlon, a homeschooling mom of six who talked about raising teens and beauty pageants. Janie lives in Garing, Nebraska, and her words of encouragement about supporting her children through their ups and downs of growing up were very down-to-earth. Keeping an eye on the big picture is the most important thing we can do, she says. Janie's husband, Mark, is a child and adult psychiatrist, and I jokingly said he had to wait for their fifth and sixth child to get boys. We talked about good old-fashioned homeschooling and how we responded to our children's bursts of independence. Next week, Janie will be back with more of her stories, so make sure you tune in Friday, November the 22nd. I was thinking again about obedience this week. I've been living in a very ungrounded state recently. I feel like a reed swaying in the wind, not in the biblical sense because my foundation still stands firm, but definitely in the physical sense as I'm batted from one place to another without a clear idea of where I want to settle and how to be part of a community again. But things are getting better. During yoga today, my instructor talked about changes, loss of job, moving from one home to another, staying somewhere until the dust settles, and I pricked up my ears since it sounded as though she was talking directly to me. She said, no matter where you are today, find one thing you really enjoy or like about your surroundings and focus on it. Send love into the place or to the person you most appreciate, and by so doing, your new place will come into focus. That's when I realized that my prayers had been answered. Each day I pray to be shown where God wants me in his life or in my life. I expect a definite place to appear, a work of some sort or a property. And it hasn't occurred to me that the places I've been are those places God is putting me in. I focused on what I liked best about this place, Lindale, its pine trees, lakes and walks. And by sending my love out to my mother-in-law for allowing us to stay here and making us very welcome, it dawned on me that my prayer was being answered. I am where God wants me to be. I've responded to a call, an invitation, and here I am. The place I need to be is right here. How funny that I prayed each day without tapping into God's answer until a yoga instructor opened my eyes. I suppose obedience in this instance is accepting my situation as part of God's will for my life and letting grace lead me. I was visiting with some friends yesterday here in Lindale. Yes, I do have a couple of friends who want to do what we've done, sell up and be free Well, I of possessions. We found that we're not necessarily free in our minds just because we sell all of our material stuff. And I said that after almost three years, I'm ready to find a church where I can minister and settle somewhere, where I can work in the community. And my friend invited me to a Bible study class. How perceptive of her. So I'll be doing that in the next few weeks. Sometimes obedience lies in accepting where you are without fuss and surrendering each moment of your day to the glory of God, consciously, mindfully and purposefully. How do we raise our children to this sense of obedience in the small, ordinary things of life? Well, I expected obedience from my children from the get-go. I know there are some who don't think one human should lord it over another. However, as a Christian, Obedience is something that has to be practiced in many different forms on countless levels in order that we may eventually answer God's call all the time during our daily life and work, whether we feel we're being used or not. Obedience should become a state of mind, an attitude, something that can be beneficial at all times. As a homeschooler, I thought everyone had the same outlook on obedience as I did. It wasn't negotiable in our house and I expected my children to not only obey me but to obey others outside the family unit who were their elders or in authority as a sign of respect. Enter a rude awakening. When the children and I walked my oldest son to the bus stop one morning as a a treat we usually drove him to his school a short ten minutes away I got a lesson in obedience. There... A boy, the same age as my seven-year-old, was running around endangering his life and others by initiating a dangerous game of tag in the road, where a steady stream of cars were passing by or backing out of driveways. Exasperated from watching his antics, I finally unclamped my teeth from my tongue to say, "'Robbie!' Yes, I knew his name, but it didn't hold any weight. "'Please come over to the edge of the road and wait with all the other children.' "'You're not the boss of me,' he snapped. "'My children gasped and watched me closely to see what I would do. "'He continued playing, and I fully expected Mum "'to come storming out of her house "'to tell him to stop running in the street. "'In retrospect, she could just as easily have come out "'to ask me who I thought I was, reprimanding her child. "'But she did neither, "'so it was obvious that she really didn't have any idea,' about what her son was doing outside, or if she did, she really didn't care. As my children grew older and I, the parent, got wiser, I eased off on the parental right to order my children's lives exclusively and introduced choices so that they could practice making good decisions to abide by, even if they turned out to be not so good decisions. This also gave me practice in not saying, I told you so. Basically, my children knew what was allowed and what was not. We had three major rules in our house that didn't change much with their ages. Number one, do not lie. This included cheating, omitting to tell the whole truth, shoving stuff under beds and in closets when asked to clean up their rooms. Number two, clean up after yourself. This included the daily, the daily and weekly house cleaning days, dishes, laundry, yard work, returning borrowed items in the same condition in which they were loaned. Oh, and a whole host of subcategories which increased as they grew older, leaving gas in the car when you've borrowed it, turning lights off at night, locking up the house if you're the last one in, Number three, no visiting friends' houses without us meeting their parents or, as they got older, them first. And this covered all things digital, online chat rooms, Facebook, giving out our phone number, although they didn't have access to any of this until their late teens. And when they went to college, this little rule was modified for obvious reasons. Then came the rule about midnight. They groaned and complained that midnight was way too early a curfew. How did they stay up past that witching hour? Of course, we're too wise to remember the ingredients for burning the candle at both ends. Not that I really want to do that anyway. Frankly, I don't want to hear about how my children manage. I won't say thrive because my youngest doesn't on five hours of sleep or less. Perhaps it has something to do with the added responsibilities age bestows, like having to have a full-time job, pay the bills, go to the grocery store, cook the meals, make sure the house is maintained. I wish I could sleep late, late, late on the weekends, but nope, can't do that i have to I have to say the first rule about lying or omitting certain facts in the telling caused a few problems in our house simply because with all of us around each other so much there was no room for a secret life. They tended to tell it as it was, just like in the old days of describing the wading in the creek and subsequent mud fight, or the sensation of a tree bough collapsing beneath their collective weights. As borderline independents and teenagers, they were just telling me too much. I listened without penalizing them for the unbidden insight into theirs and their friends' lives. I wanted them to feel comfortable and able to come and tell me everything or anything that they wanted to. TMI it is called in text speech. Too much information. And I tell you, It was the bane of my life during those years. I would rather not know that my daughter hugs and flirts with every boy who passes her in the college hallway, or that my son was up half the night playing some kind of video action game with friends across town, or that my other daughter lets the shower run cold before she gets out, or my younger son wears his socks for days. My children may not want to know that I spoke the same six words again to my mother in England that day, or choked on my fizzy water this afternoon, or dozed in front of my computer while working, and it turns out that one of my daughters did that too. That's, though, what we talk about during our afternoon teas around the kitchen table most days when they lived at home. The building of relationships forms the groundwork for obedience. Don't you want to obey someone you have a deep and abiding care for? Well it's time for me to skedaddle. I've got another busy week ahead. We're picking our son and his wife up from the airport and we'll be hearing all about their trip to Southeast Asia. So we're going to have a quick tour of Dort's flat and I may catch time, find time to catch up with a friend or two. So without further ado, I'll say thanks to my handsome husband who believes in love at first sight, our four children who are the result of that belief, the hardworking staff at Toginet Radio, my guest, Janie Scanlon, and you, my faithful listeners, especially Hannah, Joel, Anne, Rosemary, Kathleen, Esme, Millicent, Margaret, Jacob, Walter, Jane, Olivia and a oodles of others who are part of my growing audience. Stay tuned all the time and catch lots of great shows to glide you through your day. Take care and be safe. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord show you his kindness and have mercy on you. May the Lord watch over you and give you peace. Doop doop doop, 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 doop.
0: Thank you for joining us for The Sociable Homeschooler with Vivian McNenny on Toginat. The Sociable Homeschooler is Vivian's attempt to help dispel the stereotypical homeschool family. She and her husband have four grown children ages 24 to 18 who were willing guinea pigs for her foray into homeschooling, the Wildflower Academy, which flourished for 15 years. Vivian is here to be an encourager to all of you who are thinking of homeschooling. Plus, you'll have some great ideas on homework, vacations, keeping science projects in the house, and being popular versus popularity. So we'll see you here next Friday for another engaging hour with a sociable homeschooler, Vivian Mcnenny. Friday afternoons at 5, 4 Central on toginet.com.